Hello there, good people of the interwebs. Another week has passed, and I am returned. Returned to welcome you to episode 44, Sell the Blood to the Vampires. In this episode, we return to the conversation from last week. The moneylender has dropped a piece of information. Has Oraki and Akmenis caught it? When do pieces of information change from valueless to valuable? The GM scatters clues here and here and over there. The players find none. The puzzle remains. Then, the joy of an aha moment when a player declares, Wait a minute, oh bloody hell, that's the... A larger picture has just been grasped. What are the merits to post-session conversations with no GM? Is there beauty behind anonymous discourse, and why might it be necessary? Can the phrase, Uh, no offense, but... Remove culpability? How can unidentified creature in the Fantasy Grounds combat tracker make it more likely for a player to ask, My friend, tell me, what do I know? I can check history. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is... The elf-marked wizard that likes to be out front, Calidus Magnus Lunior. The world-tree-seeking human paladin, Kaelin Vendis. The tiefling paladin, steeped in lore, Akmenis. The Asmar warlock with a strange wrist-leaf, Elbrum. And finally, a female knoll cleric that has visions of the restless prophet, Oraki. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. The fact that the pallid court is strapped for cash, I was always wondering, how will you guys ever find that out? Because, I mean, it's not like one of these people are going to tell you we're strapped for cash. No, and our assumption with, with all of that, our assumption up until that conversation would be that she is off there doing work for the pallid court or she is dead or she has run away. Who knows what, what she's done? The last thing on our mind is that she's gone off trying to seek funds from another, another area. Mm. Yeah. And why would you? How would you think that? With, I mean, without knowing more, you wouldn't, there's no... You, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go wouldn't, there. Right. You wouldn't need to go there. Yeah. But by the same token, having solved the problem with the Blood Lake, there's also the, the fact that there should be no need for this to happen. If the Blood Lake issue has been solved, and if the reason they have no cash was and because they, can... they were being squeezed by the, the council... I had hoped that when you guys had it over the blood, my take was that I wanted you guys to be curious about how quickly after you guys provided them with the, the, the vial of blood, there was other things that you guys said, and they were like, well, we don't care. This yeah. is good enough. We're going to go back to the Council of Sand. My yeah. intention was... That's all they wanted done. That's all they wanted done. They don't really give a shit what, what was going on there. I mean, that's not important to them. What's important to them is they've been closed by the Council of Sand, Let's get this ban lifted and prove that it's not us. This vial is not blood. All right, Council of Sand, bullshit. Lift the ban. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's why that wasn't a very successful encounter for us. We had expected a CR heat there, and we, would have, she, we don't think she would have handled it like that at all. A heat would have said exactly the same thing. This is what I wanted. This is great. And everything else that we brought up... would have, would she? <laughs> well, yeah, he would have. We, it is our expectation that she would have. 
So the way that she's spoken to us, the conversations that we've had, we would have expected that because she's she in, scolded in the past, you guys the last time. Yeah, but she also gave us information. Mm. So therefore, we know that we've built a relationship. Yes, we can be scolded by you because we're bad and we've done mm. a few stupid things, but she gave us information. And so that when other people give you information, that's the beginning of the the building of a relationship. Mm. If it's just like your high school teacher yep. that that drum stuff into you it's yep. a one-way conversation yep. when it becomes preaching. yeah it's preaching yep it's not a relationship yep. when it becomes a two-way conversation yep. then it becomes things become something of value yep what we got when we came back to the pallet court was a one-way conversation yep all i wanted was that one piece of information that's right and, and it and was at that point that because that's all they wanted to say to us that we turn around and go well hang on a minute we've got the story that our heat's gone you don't actually show any there was no sign that you gave a hoot about anything that we said. No, and that, uh, and, that was and, by intention, yep. Yep, and that's the point at which we turn around and say, well, we don't trust you. Right. And the other thing about that too is that when you think about if you're dealing with an entity, if you're dealing with an entity and you've built a relationship with a member of that, that entity, yep. and in this particular case, uh, we've built one with our heat, this person, this other person is someone who is her equivalent or they are close together they work with each other, they know each other, yep. they have interactions with each other. You don't treat your workmates' customer relationships. Except like in this crap. case, from their perspective, they've been closed off by the Council of Sand. It's been how many days? Because remember, it was days ago, days and days ago, before you'd even headed out, that they closed off the pilot court. Yep. So they have lost their blood supply. For, for days, you know, what is that going to mean to vampires? I mean, everything else becomes secondary to getting the blood supply back because if they don't have blood supply and the vampires start turning, it's a huge problem. They only are allowed to be where they are because of an agreement with the city that they will be civilized. Yeah, but you don't cut off the person that's brought you back the solution. But they haven't cut you off. You don't behave like that to the person that's brought you back the solution. No one who was in business would actually behave like that because what they've done is they've turned around and, you know, they're the stand-in for someone. The repercussions of what they, have, what they have done in this situation, if you were in business and you had done this to me and the person that I had been dealing with had been someone who was equivalent within your organisation or a mentor or something like that, then my response would be, well, you're an idiot. But wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. The, I would go back to the person that I have a relationship say, and say something to them along the lines of, if you wish me to continue working with your organisation, this is unacceptable. You need to make it clear, not only to this idiot that I just came across, but to everybody else in your staff, that we are not someone that you just turn around and brush off because you get what you want. We are, it is a relationship. But they didn't brush you guys off. They were like, thank you guys very much. They did. Everything else doesn't matter, but... Well, hang on. Everything else doesn't matter, and that's not brushing us off. I suppose. Yeah. And, and the issue with it is that everything else doesn't matter to them, but it matters to us. Mm. And that's where the relationship but they, is. But they did say that when Ahit came back, she would take care of whatever was agreed on. Although, that being said, yeah, that being there, was said no, there was there was no some, specific agreement as to what she was going to give you. And guys. there was also some doubt as to where she was. There was a massive reluctance to say where she'd yeah. gone. There was no but, openness whatsoever. But you, There was nothing in that conversation. But you learned something from Berrien about Ahit and about Fatma. So after that, you, you were going back, you had hit the kiosk and you started talking to Berrien and you, you tried to, because he's Elfmark, you're Elfmark... <clears throat> You tried to get some information from him, and you did. You found out a couple of things. You found out that Fatma takes care of the day-to-day -day business yeah. for the pallet court, and Ahit tends to do the... Undercover stuff. Yes. The dirty stuff. Yes. Yeah. Right. But again, that, that's still... One of them feeds the other. If you're running the day-to-day, -day, you have your undercover people yep. that you work with. They go out and they deliver solutions that you need yep. that you have to keep at arm's length yeah and if we have our conversations with the undercover people yeah. then the problem that you face is even worse because we are dealing with your undercover people that means that you don't know how much they've told us well and we can blow the whole thing out of the water i mean it would be 
Here's the thing. This this is back on the day you guys had the ball and Vizier Panishar showed up. Now before so at the beginning you entered the ball and you were having your conversation with Wen. Out on the balcony in a distance, you seen Fatma and Ahit were up there. Mm. Then Vizier Panishar showed up. And when Vizier Panishar showed up, then Lady Alashra showed up briefly. And of course, Wen was all like super excited because she'd never been going for years and never seen Lady Alashra. So she saw Lady Alashra and there was the possibility that Queen Meshkenet was there with Lady Alashra. Yeah. And Ahit disappeared. Nahit disappeared because she went to meet with you guys to have a conversation, ask you if you guys would go to the pallet court or to the pool of blood. Mm-hmm. And I, because of the vizier popping up, I debated which one was going to come and have the conversation to you. Was it going to be Ahi or was it going to be Fatma? And to me, I thought at the, the moment, if the vizier shows up, if Ahit is the undercover one, then she's going to be the one. I mean, from Panishar's point of view, it's like, who would he expect to stay there? He knows that Ahit is the undercover one. Hmm. I mean, that's that would be considered and that somewhat is the of, one that you had the conversation. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how it would have. Gone. Yeah. So, at the moment, that all made a lot of sense, and everything. So, and it's still the whole everything that we look at hmm. makes perfect sense. The what she has done is she's held the position. Uh, what Fatma's done is held the position that she holds, which is the only thing I care about is the day-to-day running of it. Because she has to, because and, the and two that's things that matters, are important to and her. And whatever it is that you're doing is none of my concern. I don't want to know. And not only do I not want to know, I'm not going to help you and yeah. I'm not going to talk to you. Well, see, because you got to sit there. What are the two things of the pallet court that are important? There are a society of vampires mm-hmm. that is not hidden in living in the sewers of a city, taking out people. They are yep. some levels of prestige. They have these balls every week to invite people they make it an interesting thing and people volunteer to provide blood. Now, the interesting thing for me is, well, the, they get the blood, they pay the people for it. I want to know where they get their money from. And now you've just found out that they're, they're they don't have cash. Any, yeah, so where were they getting their money from? Good question. And the only way that I can think that they get their money is that they sell the blood to the vampires. They sell the blood they connect. Who, collect. who sells the blood to the vampires? The vampires are collecting it. No, no. Berrien is, is an elf mark the, who's Berrien, not a... No, Berrien collects the... He's paid. He's, yeah. work, he's working a job. Yeah. Berrien collects the blood. Yep. For which he pays us a, a dollar. A, Although a he gold. pays... He pays us a gold. He then sells it to the vampires that... Or the organization, the Pellet you, Court. You, you didn't catch how he pays Elbrum quite a bit more, huh? No. That's okay. Or Ekmanis. Well, there you go. See, they can bargain. I don't. No, it has nothing to do with that. Doesn't it? No. Uh, okay, so you guys haven't caught that. But any which way. No one's, I have not even noticed that. Yep. So they buy blood for a dollar. They sell it for $2. The vampires have Who to... Who are they uh, selling it to? No, no. Well, let, in any... Oh, in, I see what you're saying. You're saying that are, he's running a business. He's an outside contractor. He no, does no, not no, work no, for the pallet no, court. No, and then he sells no, it back to the pallet court no, for two. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he works for the pallet court. Yeah. The pallet court is the business. Yep. The pallet court is is a company. Oh, to, that to vampires. Sells that are, to vampires. No. Okay. Common knowledge would be that vampires they only are in the pallet court. They are not allowed to exist outside of the pallet court. Okay. Then in that case, what they've got is they've got an organisation yep. that pays for blood yes. and has to have a product that it sells in order to fund it. Yeah. They and they've got to have where their funding coming from. Yeah. And at this stage, we have no idea. And could and, be the GFA. And. Fatma had asked you guys to go if you guys would be interested in going to look into yeah. where the dwarves are about some mines. Yeah. So, yeah, They're, she's exploring possibilities of. But what were they doing before that? You know, why yeah. is it, what what is it that you don't is, know yet has dried up. Although why, why have although, they run out of money? Perhaps Elbrum and Akmenis know because they've read the campaign settings, so they they might have a good idea of what's going on. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. I should read it. Mm. Well, here's the thing. Like the the campaign settings provides a lot of common knowledge stuff and everything that's in there could be common knowledge. But of course, it's also DM uses that in order to build stories from. Yeah. So there's always little, little bits that you pick up on. You're like, okay, yeah, all right. I I could use that and build something from that. So the question is, is which parts are common knowledge and which aren't? And the, the reality is, is everything's common knowledge. But from a story, from a storytelling perspective, it's nice 
for, for me, I love the aha moments. I love it when you guys get a reaction, when I get a reaction from you guys, and you're like, oh shit, that's, you know. So I'm not gonna say do not read the campaign settings because absolutely the campaign settings are common knowledge. But I do love when things tie together and you're like, oh yes, that explains why they were like this and why they were like that. But anyways, that was just a little thing from the money lender, which was, was another opportunity for me to try because I got the impression that there was a couple of points that hadn't sunk in. And so I tried to sink that in there and it was just a one sentence response to when you guys were mentioning about mercenaries working for the pallet court that I threw in and I don't think anybody clued into it. Mm. Although our conversation now, this is kind of what I, I was expecting to happen as a conversation point between you guys retaining information to be able to, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Sorry. What? Well, it's not in, in our grand scheme of things. It's just another. Well, it's it's, another, it's, it's a piece of information, but yeah. it doesn't hold any significance. No, it can't because it, it, I understand. It's it's. I'm the same thing as a player. I had another DM who was saying, you know, I threw out threads after threads after threads, and I was just like, what threads? I missed them all. I must have missed them all because I had no idea. So it, it, the one it's, session it's where I'm a player, it's, it's not that you've actually missed them. Mm. It's that the piece of information you've got on its own is absolutely valueless until there's something that comes along and, and gives it some form of importance. They have no money is, yeah, fine. And from that, I can draw the conclusion that they're incredibly bad at running a business. Fine. It doesn't tell me or, without some well, other piece yes, of information. And, and cl clearly it was. It, they must be bad at running a business, but they must have had one hell of a source of money that they've existed for so mm. long because the perfume district belongs to them. Yeah, and so in all of the games that we play we end up with the same thing of this issue of you get given a piece of information, yep. but generally it's, it's valueless until you get something else yeah. to start building it and yeah. start creating a picture. So when someone says, I've given you, I gave you clue after clue after clue, yeah. they all sat there on their own and there was nothing to draw them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just got to keep doing it until, until something sinks in. But like, it was the same thing like, yeah. with me as a player. I, I chose a character. My first character died because he got possessed by a really evil doll. <laughs> and so I created Chucky. a new character. Yeah, Jesus. I, I was so excited because this is where my Spanish accent came along. I was just try trying to think of voices to do. And I was just like, oh, well, Jesus, why don't I try a Spanish accent? Yeah. And so I started building up on that one. And I was, I was happy to be able to use it again as an NPC in, in our own session. But so I created this new character. And he is supposed to be tied to not teleport circles, but portals mm. a port the formation of portals like what you guys experienced in the in episode the one with Elrond's one shot so i was talking with the dm and i was like okay but i really don't know crap about the setting or what this means about what i should know about portals because i haven't done enough research at all into what that means so we're stuck on this island and we need to get off this island and he says that you sense a portal and i was like guys guys we sense a portal we gotta go we gotta go <laughs> otherwise we got to take this ship and we'll it'll pay months on the ship before we get back to mainland let's take the portal and they're like well where does it go i don't know but let's go look <laughs> so we get there and it's this inky black portal and it's like oh shit i was expecting you see this landscape let's go <laughs> whatever <laughs> let's go through it we'll see this landscape no nope, no nope. so we started pissing around for probably an hour and a half, two hours about trying to figure out, should we do this portal or not? And at the end, one guy goes through, we have him tied to a rope. He comes back and he's like, okay. So I was excited. You, you made it through. Let's go. Let's go. So I went with him and yes, it was inky blackness. Couldn't hear anything. And I was just like, well, shit. And I, I asked the DM, so what would I understand about where we are? And he's like, you know that you are in the place between. And I was just like, well, guys, we—that's this. Let's go take the damn ship. And uh, after the DM was like, I had roughly ten sessions worth of stuff planned for you guys to go through that portal, and I was just like, I didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> <laughs> if there was threads there, I was completely oh, clueless. And this is this just knocks home this business as a player, as a DM. You say, I threw out thread, I threw out thread, I threw out thread. And I'm sitting there like, I threw out all these threads. How come you guys don't pick it up? And yet as a player, I'm exactly the same. I yeah. didn't pick up on a damn thing. Yeah. They, they, you, you've got to have something that ties them together. Yeah. 
It is it is a big trick, and to me, that's the business. It's a of, challenge. It's a real challenge. It is. This this comes down to the common knowledge aspect, and you have to recognize that common knowledge is relevant, and what is common knowledge for you? But, right. Like if you think about the the murder of the architect and who he was with when he was killed, or yep. who was involved in it, hmm. and you start tying that together with the whole council thing, that piece of information on its own would have meant nothing. But you can actually say, well, okay, if the theory about there's ructions going on within the council yep. is valid, then this all starts to make sense. Yep. Here's the thing for me. Like, I really ought to... I should show you the, the, the other DM. He's got a freaking timeline of over a period of a year, and this is happening here, here. And then he's got a secondary exact same timeline of world events that are going on. And then here is the player's interactions. I should do the same thing. I should ask him to send me that Excel file, and then I'll, I'll tweak it for myself. Because I know of certain things that are happening, and I haven't put them on a timeline, but I have a general idea of when I want them to happen. And so, for example, I've been waiting for certain opportunities to come, certain times that pass in order to introduce some, certain extra bits of information to you guys. Mm. And those, I think those are those points where, like you're saying, there's the extra tie that here's this information, here's this information, and poof, now they're together. And you're like, oh... Yeah. The armies that are out fighting the Tuscali that mm. are being very successful. Yeah, the guerrilla fighting fighters. out in the desert. Yeah, yeah it's a piece of information. It's happening. It's meaningless for the moment. It stands on its own. Yeah, okay, cool. But when a piece of information comes to say that they were destroyed or they are now closer to town, mm. that adds. Well, there's all kinds of stuff. Like there was this one bit when Kalen observed a heat folding up into the earth. Yeah. And it was like, what is this? And of course, Khaled is like, she's Tuscully. <laughs> Tuscully going to the earth. And okay, that's one way to look at it, of course, sure. And then later on, through conversations with Mehmet, and you were talking about a heat folding in the earth, he's like, oh, well, that the sounds like a, a sand carpet. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah. And then he introduced the idea that there's something called, shit, what did I call it now? A tumbler. Mm. And Ekmenis, with his history, knows what a tumbler is. And what does that mean? It's just a thread that's meaningless, just as this dead council of architects is a meaningless thread. Yeah. Unless there's time. other things that hook it together to make mm. it more meaningful, it's who cares? Yeah. Just as that your guys' conversation after, this goes back to that conversation after, because what was the thing that Calidus learned about the dead architect that you guys discussed after a symbol that you saw? What symbol did, or not that you saw, the symbol that was being talked about. Oh, yeah, what did they talk about? A scorpion. A dragon, a scorpion. Yep. And of yeah. course, you, and you they, guys talked about it after the fact. You told me you guys did. were talking with Ekmenis, and Ekmenis was and like, Ekmenis, oh. And, and part of what Ekmenis said, and this was, this was an interesting point, because this became part of that, am I metagaming or am I not? And he said, I know about this. Yep. Because I've seen it here and here and here and here, and that's probably metagaming. No, it's not. And that's, yeah. And my response was, no, it's not, because you've seen it. it, it when, when, when it comes down to metagaming, I'm very rapidly approaching the point that the only form of metagaming that you can do is when you become a rules junkie. Becoming a rules junkie and, and, and when knowing you know creatures that you meet. Yes. When you know what, they, what their stats are. What their stats are and what their vulnerabilities are. And that's on me. On my part, I will usually tweak that. Like we other, talked about that other, before. Yeah, but other than that, yeah. I can't build scenarios where anything you do is going to be metagaming yeah. other than other than say Calidus giving advice to Iraqi and Aki about banking when yeah. he's 10 miles away. Yeah, yeah. That, and he can't really right. do that. No, that's right. Yeah, so, so that kind of thing. Yeah. Or suggesting in the middle of a fight a long convoluted explanation of what you can do. Yeah, fine. But in terms of the non-combat scenarios, yep. Yep. To me, it's really hard to, to actually me, that, come that, up with something that isn't metagaming. And we have not until the other day, until mm. last Thursday really haven't we have talked about having the conversation and having a a day where we could have the conversations and yep. when we get given those opportunities yep. like there's nothing there you're thinking oh we were going to have a conversation about it, but oh it's too late and i can't think of anything 
What happened last week was we had the conversation after the game. It's a perfect time to talk about what you could yeah, and could not do course. and what you think. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of it could be done in session. There's no reason why it can't be. Yeah, it's but actually a lot. Easy, it's actually a lot easier to do it. It's a lot easier to do it at the end of the day when you're not there, because there is no. Yeah, yeah. Um, what you, do, you can't say. To, yeah. You don't get to throw your two bobs worth in about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and it, while it, you're having the conversation, the door closes, someone well, knocks on the door, the phone rings, that kind of you stuff. You know, that reminds me of on Sleeper Island. Like I told the guys, I was like, you need to create a channel that is for the players. None of the DMs, none of the moderators are allowed to see the channel. It is for players only. For them to be able to complain and talk about the DMs has to be done. And the, the guys are like humming and hot. No, no, no. We should be able to see. We should. No, no, you shouldn't be able to see it. They need to have the, the, but we should be an open, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Are you living in this world? In this world, this is not how it works. You, you sit there and dream about ideals. People are not going to do it in your ideals. We should be open. We should be honest. Like one guy was arguing the point, this is an open forum. In an open forum, I should be able to criticize this person openly. And so what? And I was like, no, yes, it's an open forum. But even then, through an open forum, you still need to say, someone says to me, hey, I would like to share this art with you guys. You should still say, do you want me to criticize that art? And he was like, no, no, it's an open forum. I can criticize it and be like, but I wasn't, I didn't openly say it's shit. I said, I think that it's like this. And I said, I told him, I was like, well, you say I think because it allows you to say something. And by putting I think on it, you are saying I remove the, any onus of me being negative about it. It's the same thing as saying, no offense, but yeah. you, of course, you're just going to say something offensive. And by saying no offense doesn't mean it's going to, it's not going to be offensive. It's offensive. So it's the same thing. I was like, look, at the end of the day, people will want to be able to have a conversation. They would like to be able to discuss the DMs, but they will never, ever, ever do it unless they know 100% that DMs are not seeing this. So eventually they, or, they or do unless, it. Or unless they know that the DMs will sit there and know that this is what they think. And the starting point for that is don't, if you're a DM, don't defend your position. That's right. If they think you're rubbish. Well, and this is the thing too, is like, so the only person that gets to see it is of course the person who owns the server because by default yeah. they can see everything. And the players know that this is server so can see it. So, you know, he does see it and he will bring what he thinks is appropriate back. And of course, immediately, that's what the DMs do. They get defensive. And it reminds me of a mm. job that I used to have mm. where we were discussing, where we were told that we were going to go up and go through this process. Yep. And the bloke who was an outside contractor said, whatever you say in this room stays in this room. So yep. I made my comment and, that, and he, then, he then said something like, oh, what did he say? He, he said, clearly, some of you, some of you don't, don't look particularly engaged. Yep. And my response is, I've got heaps of work to do. I don't want to be here. Mm. And he said, put your hand up if you feel the same as, as Mick up the end there. Nobody was willing no to do it. No one put their hand up. Yep. Yep. Two weeks later, my boss yep. came and said, you know, you're not the kind of person that should work for this company. Mm. You know, you go to do these processes and you can't go to a process and say, I don't want to be here. Mm. Which immediately brings into question the fact that an external contractor can say, with the imprimatur of the people that own the company, what goes in this room stays in this room, mm. and they can come back and quote it back to you. It's exactly the same problem that you end up with yeah. faced. If you allow the channel to happen, yep. then you need to understand there are things that you will see there yep. that you won't like. Yep. You can't, if you want it to work, yep. go and quote stuff out of that you've got to look at it and say it's there for a reason it's to be you have to that's right you've got to look at it and be totally objective and nothing and else. my point to them at the very beginning was you need this thing and whatever happens in there you cannot name names no. so if they all if talk about one specific dm as being an asshat either a you get rid of the asshat dm or you've got to present to the dms and say look there is this kind of stuff going on. This is something that we need to improve yeah. upon and use that as a, as and look, a method. And, the other, way you, and but, the other way you do it is you take, you take someone within the, the structure that you've got and say, this is your job. Yep. Your job is to review this stuff that's being said yep. and then present it to the DMs and, to, yep. and say, this is your takeout. This yep. is what you see. I yep. see this. Yep. This is what they're talking about. This is your problem. Yep. Go deal with it. Yep. Yep. 
No, and, and, it, and, and to and, me, and when they tell them they've got a problem, yep. this this third party that's independent yep. is not there to debate or argue with you. It's yep. simply to present what they see. Yes, yeah, I certainly see the value of it. But anyway, the, the point that I'm getting at, because I wanted to bring this back to something else within Fantasy Grounds, and this was related to Meta, and so having the open forum. Now, why I was coming to this idea is coming down to something they introduced in Fantasy Grounds. Now, for a while now, you can have unidentified items, yep. which you just don't know what it is until you attune to it or something else happens that allows you to identify what this thing is. So they've done that now as well for NPCs. So what this means then, for, so uh, this comes down to, I'm dealing with a mummy, do I know that fire hurts it? So now when you see the word mummy, you're almost immediately viscerally thinking that, yes, let's use fire. Fire is going to damage against this. It's so much nicer now that when you see in the combat tracker, it's an unidentified creature. That gives me the opportunity to be able to say, you see this thing and paint a picture in words as best as I can of what you see. Then it's up to you. Then all of a sudden, I should, I expect from you guys say, can I have like a history check to see what I might know about this thing? Absolutely, because that, that tends not to happen in combat. Tends not to be like, oh, guys, I recognize this. This is a mummy. We need to throw fire at this as a conversation point to everybody to adjust their tactics in, in dealing with that. That really doesn't happen. So mm. because I, now you have unidentified creatures where you don't know what this is, this is great. This solves the problem. So this... Except... The mummy is a really good example because when, when you look at Calidus and the ability to throw a fireball, you throw a fireball at something and you know that any flammable material will catch fire. If the one piece of information from your unidentified object yes. is that it is, wearing, it is wearing things that will catch fire yep. or, you know, I don't know, it's got lots of steel on it, which means that if you hit it with a lightning bolt, that's going to get electrocuted yep. or... The description of your unidentified object has to be such that... You can pick up on those clues. You yes. can pick up on those clues. I'm not saying that the... I, I like the idea of the unidentified object. Mm. Or the un unidentified NPC. The unidentified NPC. I like the idea of that because it does mean that it takes away that whole metagaming yes. thing of I know what it is. And it does promote we need to have a conversation. It does mean the DM has to improve on their description of it. Yeah, I mean, it and makes it, does it mean... really, it does make it, there are two, th it, the easy solution yep. is that the DM gets to throw up a picture of what it looks like. Mm. However, once you throw up the picture, you know exactly what it is. Yep. The downside to it is that if the DM doesn't recognise, well, is not fully across all of the players and yep. what their specific yep. uh, attributes are, yep. you know, what they're good at, yep. and can't, give the piece of information that would be blatantly obvious to them yep. about the NPC. Yep. You can whack this thing with a sword and you'll chop yep. its head off and it'll be dead. Yep. Yeah, that, that becomes a... Well, I did that when you, you, you weren't there, yeah. but it was one of the things I did when you guys finally got to the inner sanctum of the pyramid. I said, you see a lovely lass, and that was the name that showed up in the combat tracker because I made a point. I try to remember to do stuff like that so that the names that you guys mm -hmm. see... Is that? But I was always like, when you're dropping twenty creatures onto the combat tracker, bleh, yeah. renaming shit, forget that. There's this encounter bit with a button at the bottom. When you click on that button, it throws it into combat tracker. So if you've got like ten creatures in there, you could categorically go and rename every one of them. And when it yeah. goes into the combat tracker, it'll take those names and put a number behind it. And I, again, that is just an, a lot of extra prep stuff mm. that I would rather not deal with. So that. It just comes across as unidentified, and then let's get into the session, and I just need to be descriptive. I so much prefer that because it just anything to reduce the admin side of prep time so that you mm -hmm. can just, again, once more focus on the story, and then but, here's the encounter. And there becomes the scenario when you look at the typical combat scenario. There are six creatures that are the same, and one of them is the leader, and it's got wings and better armor. And if you find the vulnerability for one of the six, you found the vulnerabilities for all of them. That kind of... That, yeah, yeah. that, that is where yeah. the, the, there's a level of complexity with not being able to know what it is. Well, and the other thing too is it means that for me, so because people know I see a mummy, I'm going to throw fire. If I describe things to such extent, if you see a mummy, it says mummy in there, that means I change its fire 
vulnerability to some other vulnerability because the meta of knowing yeah. that it's fire. When it's an unidentified creature where I'm just like, okay, you see this lumbering husk desiccated creature coming towards you and it's wrapped up in whatever. It's wearing a hessian sack with her eyes cut into it. I yes. mean, yes, there's still going to be meta. You're like, oh, that's a mummy. That's a mummy. Let's throw fire at it. But more often than not, by labeling something in there, you instantly are reacting to, I'm going to do mm. this immediately because I see the word mummy in the combat tracker. Now you've got to really listen to what I say. And that means I don't actually have to modify creature NPC statistics to deal with meta knowledge. Yeah, that's right? true. So that, again, it, it makes things a little bit simpler for me, which this is why I was, I was trying to get to was things that Fantasy Grounds implements and dealing with meta. And again, that was tying back to the Sleeper Island bit about you know, the uh, open... It would be, you know, when you think about the interface from that, that point of view, it would be good if there was a way that the unidentified... You wouldn't have to change it. What you would do is you would simply turn around and say, these guys are mummies... I tag one of them as being a mummy, I call it unidentified creature type one. When you kill it, then you... No, for, for me, what I wanted, what would be lovely, would be is that after the experience, I've now had an experience with a mummy, I've still got to remember that you guys have had an experience with a mummy, so the next time you meet a mummy, I don't have it unidentified, it will be identified because yeah. you've experienced it already. No, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that, yeah. some kind so, of a so, trigger so, that says... So the, and to me, hmm. the, the trigger would be that if you've killed it, then the trigger is that's the point at which you identify it. So you, you've killed the first mummy in the combat tracker. The others that were flagged as unidentified creature type one all show up as being mummies. And anything else that's a mummy shows yep. up as being a mummy. Yep. But, and, and then what you do is from then on within the game mummies become creatures that you well, know and this was one of the things this ties I, back i can't to, think that that would be that hard to... well it'd certainly be it would be a list of creatures that would have to be tied to the character sheet that they've encountered but that being said that does not mean that you Ooh, still don't know I, what I actually, they're my starting point would be not to do that my starting point would be because i don't believe that you i always believe that you start from you don't start from a final solution you start from an easy solution and the easy solution for this one is not to tie it back to the character not to tie it back to character sheets that have been encountered mm. i would just simply stick it on the campaign and say this is a creature that's been encountered in the campaign you have knowledge of it and even if the and even if all of the players have changed since that happened my starting point would be to say yeah okay you may not have been here well... and the other people that were playing because then what you get to do is you then get to test it and see how it works and rather than going to a whole raft of code to well, well again back. see I, I see your point but the other point is is that so for example knowing that it's vulnerable to fire or knowing that it's got this thing called the rotting fist punch. Mm. So Oraki, early on, when she first encountered that one, she did a, I forget what check she did because she wanted to try to understand. So when it punched Elbrum or Saber, she was able to, she rolled really high and she identified the rotting fist punch and I described to her what this punch meant and she knew it fully. So she understands that this creature has this punch. Yep. So to me, identifying a creature is just a name, any of its vulnerabilities or any of the other things that are special about it remains unidentified until you guys make an effort to do that. So to me, just because you know that it's a mummy doesn't mean that you know it's vulnerable to fire unless you guys specifically threw fire at it and saw through my description that, oh, the fire seems to be doing more damage than... And I guess this is the difference between where you sit. I'm a coder, so I don't look at it from that point of view. Yeah. You And you're an analyst, so you look at it from the... The, Holistic. The, the total, you know, yep. you get right into it and go, you know, low level, yep. this is where we're at. It's You have to know this stuff. Yep. From a programmer's point of view, it's actually quite easy to encode this yeah. into yeah. the XML file that is the character. It's just about... Or the campaign. It, well, you can either code it into the campaign, yeah. in which case you've got the problem of if the player wasn't there. Mm. And I would start by coding it into the campaign. I don't mm. care if the player was there mm. or not. They get the knowledge because they get they're in the campaign. Yeah. The next level is that you encode it into the player and you say, well, yeah. you have this knowledge because you were in the fight. Yeah. This is what you picked up, and anyone else who was in the fight gets the same stuff. Yeah. That means that if Iraqi and Aki yeah. were in a blue, and yeah. I was off doing something else, yeah. they would get the knowledge, and I wouldn't get the knowledge. Mm. Yeah, and so you end up with that level of okay. And well, then how and do you? And then you I end up with I think the, that's brilliant. Like then, you look at you, the combat tracker; they see that it's mummies. 
but you don't. I don't. To you, it says unidentified creature, and you're like, "Oh shit, it's a mummy!" And you're like, "Oh, is what that what the that hell's is? a mummy?" Oh fuck! What? Yeah. yeah. And so you, and then you get the 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 attributes that they're given. Yep. How do you transfer the attributes across to someone else? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that be, if yeah. the if the rotting if the rotting punch has not been used in that combat, yeah. Where I saw it as an unidentified creature, but they knew everything about it. Yeah. Then I might get that it's vulnerable to fire. Yeah. But I won't see what it can do. Yeah, yeah. So you end up with this level of complexity. Yeah. To me, I think that's interesting when you're like, "Oh and, shit, and I know this is it. a mummy." It, Be careful about its punch. It's deadly. Don't let yeah. it punch you. You know that kind of so thing. So and that verbal thing that you've done then creates the trigger for the DM who now has to transfer the attribute across to yeah. the other players. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I take the soft option and say you just stick it on the campaign and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when you identify it, gets uncovered up the top, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And that would then mean that when you see the the creature, you should almost be able to click on it and bring up a yeah, the, the, a descriptor that says a stats window that reveals yeah, what you discovered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 And to, Absolutely. And, and to that end, and to that end, there would be a, you could have the discussion about once you've dealt with it. Yeah. Do you bring up a stats window that says how strong it is, how many hit points it's got? All the rest of that information. Well, the hit points, no, because the hit points is random, and that, that will always be random. Like, it will say that for every creature, just like you, your hit points are determined by, if you're yeah. a cleric, you get a D8. You roll a D8, each level you get whatever your D8 yeah. result is, or you take the average. An NPC, the way we do it is the same thing. They'll say this NPC is a 6D10. So what ends up happening is when you drop it into the combat tracker, there is an option within Fantasy Grounds that can says... You can take yeah. the average hit points, or you can take you can take the sixty ten result, or you can take the maximum. Mm. And I choose the random. So if you've gotten three mummies there, one might be four hit points, one might be fifty hit points. You know. Yeah, but think okay. So if you take out the hit points, then you've got the armor class. Yeah. Um, you know its vulnerabilities. You know, yeah, it's just, susceptible uh, to. Like for example, I like the combat tracker when it says your health. You are healthy. You are moderate hurt. Yeah, extended. that's good. It'd because be the same they, thing. They are, you know visual that clues that you would see. It would say it's very strong, or just like a like a bar that says very simple one, two, or three. Three being you know strength is here, intelligence is like one. Yeah, so that kind of thing. Just a simple thing where you you can't say well it's got very a strength of twenty with a plus yeah. five modifier. You want to avoid that kind of stuff. You just want to know that it's strong. Let's or be careful. You, I mean, because the well, I suppose yeah, and that to that extent. Yeah, there is very strong, and those things are scored out of twenty. That wouldn't be hard to do. I'm thinking of things like armor class. Yeah, yeah, no. I really, uh, as 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 the as, yeah, no, as the creature gets as the creature gets uh, as the creature's level goes up, yeah. they they just get more hit points and they get stronger or well, realistically, armor classes, yeah, that that's kind of what stuff. it comes that's down to. Really comes down to. There is yeah. there is the challenge so, yeah. rating per monster, and realistically, all you got to do is tweak their armor class and their hit points to make it, make it more stronger. challenging. That does not change the fact that they multi, do they have a multi attack, and yeah. their attacks are just this blah blah blah, simple simple simple. And you're so right. That for would me, work because one, that, I, and that would that actually would work. That would then mean that well, you could actually within the campaign you. You get into a blue, you click on it, you look at it, you get, it's very strong, it's got lots of hit points, it's yeah. high, its armor class is high, yep. it's vulnerable to this, this, and this. Well, you remember in the Sleeper Island session when you guys were going against the goblins in the cave and there was the one with the spear, and he would throw the spear? And so it would return. Yeah, so yeah. in the creature's stats page, because the creature's character sheet is very, very different from the player's character sheet. Mm. It doesn't have all the tabs and whatnot. I had to basically put in the description of that spear and make sure the description was such that when I dropped the creature into the combat tracker, that the spear would show up with its drag and drop attributes for attacking, damaging, and the other stuff that it did, Mm. which is a pain in the ass. I like how the players can just drag and drop an item into their inventory and then it just shows up as something that they can use to attack with. So it's not quite as easy for a creature. You cannot drag and drop an item onto it and then it just shows up Mm -hmm. as an actionable or reactionable item. You actually have to go in there and say this is a reactionable item and then hopefully the text is such that when you drop it that it will be drag and drop. But sometimes it's not and you've got to tweak the text so that it says, if target this, then do this. Yeah. Those specific words will then make sure that 
it's a drag and drop actionable thing within the reaction section of that creature. So it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to do that for NPCs, but the point that I'm getting at is this is the only way for me to make your the creatures that you're fighting to be somewhat more significant. Yeah. Yep. Other than just pure tactics, meaning things like, okay, you've got minions, set up the minions. Oh, I, I got to tell you, I have this beautiful thing planned for Sleeper Island tactic that I've been waiting to. I created the Xanafia arc, which yeah. is still going on. And I've got, the people are finally starting to get towards her tower is, and I've got this set up where, I hope no, none of these guys listen to this, but they, maybe they will, whatever. I've got this trap set up with these foxholes. And originally I was just thinking foxholes, that's it. They pop up and do something. Now I've got this big tactic around this where I might have to edit this out. But what's, what they're going to do is I have one guy, one goblin shows up and I, I've given the, the goblins the sharpshooter feet, which yeah. means that normally you get, if you've got a long bow, long bow I think is good from anything that's between 80 and 320 feet is at disadvantage. Mm. But with the sharpshooter skill, it's not a disadvantage. So they can shoot a ridiculous range. So I got this one, he's gonna show up and he's gonna start shooting at the people. And my hope is that they're gonna chase after him. And as they chase after him, I think they might think he might be leading us to a trap. Yeah. So here's my, my thought was, okay, so he takes them off that way. If they think that it's a trap, if they go that way, great. They, they will trigger the foxhole trap and he'll go off because he wants to lead them to the foxhole trap. But if they don't and they think that it's a trap, well, there's a behind them in the trees behind them is a shitload more of these sharpshooters <laughs> who are going to start shooting them as well. So either it's way they go forwards or backwards, they're going to be in a trap. Yeah. And I was sitting there tactically, why wouldn't they be? Goblins are inventors. They're not that stupid. Mm. And besides, in Sleeper Island, we say they can be more than what they are. So, yeah, the point is. It's nice to be able to, and I, and I want it to be simpler, to be able to add a feat, to be able to add a skill or something to an NPC so that this NPC is just not, oh, roll twice and he shoots with a bow yeah. and that's all he can do. Yeah. Although, that being said, I do hate NPCs who have spells level one to nine, just like you have as a wizard, because then I'm just like, what spell to use? I, I hate that. It just takes too long. I like it when they've just got, you need to do a saving throw. Yeah. And you save, great. Nothing happens. You don't save, boof, you've got something. And it's just clear as day. That's what it is. I don't have to look through spells and be like, oh, okay, I want to cast this spell. I hate doing that. As a DM, it just takes too much time. Anyway, mm. this is just, again, a conversation point about dealing with meta around creatures that tends to be the big focal point that we are like, again, the point was having a conversation yeah. about what you see your guys' conversation okay. about whether or not a heat was a vampire. God, you guys chatted for about 15 minutes debating whether or not she was a vampire. Yeah. She went outside. That's the not meta. That is not, why wouldn't you have that conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. I think she's a vampire. I don't think she's a vampire. I think she's a, a plant. She's a spy. How does she do that? Well, yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely and I think a valid that, conversation. And I think that the, the, the conversations don't have to be held during the game. I, I actually like the idea yeah. that at the end of the game you can have you a, can have a, a little a conversation, conversation about where you're going to go, what your plans are, what you think, well, what you saw. If, if the result of it is is that you come back to me and you guys say to me, "By the way, we're thinking about this," so that at least I am not that you want to throw me. Great, but I'd like to be able to at least try to have mm. not a hundred percent ad lib where I can think about an encounter a little bit. Like if you guys decided that we're going to do. Yes, we're going to plan out the bank. It gives me a little bit of time to think. Well, well, if you if you put the bank is a good example because if you put the bank in the context of the game, and say if it, it's already there, you know there is the bank. The NPC has gone off to get a contract. That's it. The contract gets produced. You have the discussion there. It may go somewhere. It may not go anywhere. Mm. The the conversations I'm thinking that you would have at the end of the game would be about. In the next session, where do you think we should go? What do you think we should do? Mm. That, that's the kind of conversation that, that would, would Between be Between players. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a perfectly valid conversation. If you look at ours, our next conversation is, do we let Elbram chop off his arm? Mm. Do we, uh, does Carlos come back from where he's going to be? Mm. Do we go and find a heat? 
do we go to the GFA? Mm. You know, which one of those do we do? And then you make the decision there as yep. to what your plan is. Yep. Because normally when we walk into a game, we walk yep. into a game without a plan of what we're going to do next. Yep. An event occurs yep. and then we react to it. Yep. If we've had the conversation at the end of the game, yep. the event can still occur yep. and we can ignore it yep. and go, no, nah, it's not significant enough. This is what we're going to do. Mm. And all of the stuff that we're going to have a conversation about are things that you're going to be aware of. Mm. Right now, they're all the threads that you've given us. There's the GFA thread, yep. which we are committed to going and doing. There's the possibility of going north, south, east or west to any one of those places that you're yep. throwing something out at. Yep. And there's the possibility of staying where we are and... Building a bank. And building a bank. <laughs> and and yeah. really, in in terms of what we've been asked to do... Talk about a spanner. nothing I can just that imagine can that the rest of the, the campaign town. is no <laughs> longer about dealing with the Tuscali. It is all about trying to find investors so that you could get this bloody bank started. All right, we're going to go talk to... Uh, all right, we're going to go meet up with... Uh, what so and so? Oh, the the Hakan. He <laughs> yeah. had that camel. He ran that camel dealing thing. Let's let's go see the farmer that he was dealing with for the camels. Well, and he's going to become a it, potential investor. Hakan was right at the start. That was the thing. Mm. We were going to move into Hakan's house. We were going to run the camel business. That was going to be the front to the other stuff well, that we did. Or or take over Festering Heth's place because he was assassinated there, and let's become yeah. fences. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I'm still back at let's go and develop the hunt. <laughs> I, mean, I just love the idea of going. Yeah, we're going to move into the hunt. We're going to have, yep. we're going to find the biggest and best rundown place that that's yep. there. Yep, that's where we're going to move into, and that's where we're going to run our business out of. That's too hilarious. We're going to go into the dead center of the hunt, and we're going to. That's actually will be an interesting one. Anyway, who knows if we've tied up all our conversation points? Whatever. I think that's probably good yeah, enough for today. That, yep. All right. Until next time, guys, we'll see you again in a week. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back in just one week.